1: Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me as always are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. (laughs) Gentlemen, how are we doing today?
2: I'm I'm feeling pretty good about the way that the soft season is going. We'll get into that.
3: Uh, so far, Barry Zito only takes dubs when it comes to actual roster decisions. We'll see about the rest of it, though. I mean, Barry, Barry Zito, Zito also beyond.
1: takes dubs in the MLB. Right, uh, yeah. Bill Zito on the other hand, <laughs> nah, doing a fantastic of job <laughs> uh, shaping this Panthers roster into what actually looks uh, like it could be a good and competitive roster. Uh, I know TJ and I have very much been on the train of uh, there's no way that this roster will be good or competitive uh, within the next two or three years. Uh, I'm starting to come around. I know Alex was never really on that train. Uh, TJ, where where do you stand on that uh, after this first month? We, and a half we, or so we will this, really you know?
2: have to see. I don't think anything has happened to really drastically alter the state of the franchise other than the Matheson trade, which You know, we kind of already talked about that on the last episode, even though it hadn't officially happened. We sort of were in, if it does get confirmed, this is what it means for the team mode. And, you know, there's still obvious holes, but we'll get into it when we talk about the actual players themselves. But I think that the strategy should have been going into this free agency. Take these gambles, take these low risk bets that have the high upside, go for the youngest guys you can get. And I think that's what they've done, especially at the forward position. I mean, Brad Kogutis is not a younger guy, but I'm not going to spoil my thoughts on that. Uh, We're going to talk about the draft first. And, you know, we were happy about the Panthers draft, so it's not even ebbing from what we were talking about in terms of being happy about what they decided to do in free agency. And it all starts with, you know, the cream of the crop, the the round one pick, uh, number 12 overall, (laughs) Anton Lindell, the 19 year old center from HIFK Finland, six foot one guy between 180 and 90 pounds. So it's a guy that you could say is not undersized, maybe not necessarily a huge body, but, you know, he's playing in the Liga. So he's playing in a men's league and he's got a men's, a man's frame. You know, he's not, not going to have to grow into that. He's right. already, you know, ready to play men's hockey in that, you know, in that shape. And last year he had uh, 28 points in 44 games, including 10 goals. He, the league of season has already gotten started. And uh, he added a couple of goals in his most recent game and uh, is looking impressive as the, I think the captain of HIFK and their first line center. And this was a guy coming into the draft that was touted as having one of the highest ceilings or having one of the highest floors. I'm sorry. I said the opposite of what I meant. Um, you know, being a guy that looked pro ready kind of already. And, you know, there wasn't really an imagination, like any sort of per- perception that he was going to be a bust, that he was ever going right. to be not an NHL player. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have a higher ceiling too, because he has plenty of skill, both offensively and defensively. He really knows how to manage the game in the defensive end, and like I said before, he puts up points, both goals and assists. He can make plays. He can definitely shoot. We've we've seen some pretty nice wrist shots from him in the Liga highlights. It's just a guy that has a great all around game and really models himself after those like sturdy finish forwards, the Miko Granlins, Koivu, you know, Mikhail you know, Granlins, Alexander
1: center. Barkovs. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm Is certainly that, not going to call Michael him a Barkov. Too.
2: I'm I'm certainly not going to call him a Barkov. I That's cannot true. imagine him ever being that kind of guy 90 like a
1: 100 point player. Exactly.
2: But I mean in terms of a Granlund Koivu type, yeah. I think he could possibly be better than those guys.
1: Look, if we just drafted if we drafted Miko Koivu in the first round at 12th overall, I will be thrilled with that. I mean, yeah. I love Koivu. Uh Miko Koivu is your quintessential second line center. He's not the guy who will put up 90 or 100 points but he's your 60 point guy probably, mm-hmm. uh, who, who is extremely responsible defensively can play on the penalty kill, but doesn't all, also doesn't hurt you, uh, offensively. And I think that's what we're looking at in, in Anton Lindell, just one note, TJ, he is uh, an alternate captain, right. Uh, for, uh, HFK Finland, uh, or IFK Helsinki really, um, uh, he is an alternate captain, not the captain, but still, uh, you don't often see teenagers getting top line minutes, uh, in the top level European leagues. So it's, uh, at least not outside of the, uh, DEL in Germany. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very nice to see Lindell getting, uh, getting a leadership role and top line minutes at, in a, in a top level professional European men's league. Uh, and again, putting up points like I, this, is guy, this is the guy that I thought there was no way uh, – well, not that there was no way. I thought that Lindell should be a top 10 pick. But he was also the guy that I had my eye on as like, all right, if there is someone who should go top 10 who might fall to us, it's Lundell, and I want him. So when he fell out of the top 10 and was on the board for the Panthers and they drafted him, uh, for those of you who are watching our stream, uh, our live stream of, uh, of the draft – I literally jumped out of my seat and screamed. I was so excited. Uh, Lindell is—he's—he's he's gonna be a, a great second line center, uh, playing behind Barkov in the future. Arguably NHL ready today, uh, but Bill Zito did say that uh, he's gonna—he's gonna let Lundell play out the season uh, in Liga. And uh, we'll, we'll see where, uh, where we go from there.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a situation where if he was drafted by the Red Wings, there's a chance that he's in the NHL when the season restarts. But I think that it's prudent for the Panthers to let him develop a little bit more, get those top line minutes in Finland, uh, let him learn what it takes to be a, a leader of men in Finland. And I think it's going to be great for his development. I want to pivot into, cause this is the most important pick of the, of the whole draft. So we will talk about this a little bit. Um, in terms of the alternatives, I think there's certainly things that you could talk about with I, – I think that, realistically, the Panthers had two options with this pick. It was Lindell and it was Seth Jarvis. You know, we And we talked about Jarvis. I ended up selecting him in a mock draft. I think you did as well.
1: I did as well. But Lindell yeah. was already off the board. Right, the mock- Lindell
2: was off the board for both of us. So <laughs> – you know, we we kind of anticipated that he was going to go earlier in this draft. So did a lot of the mock drafts, and it, he ended up being there. We all thought that it was a logical fit for the Panthers, given that he's a center, given the their uh, lack of depth in the prospect pool at center, and him being from Finland with the team having such a heavy emphasis on scouting there. Uh, it made a lot of sense, but there's sev- there's definitely things that you can say about jarvis having a higher ceiling more offensive upside potentially being a guy that i wouldn't say he's maybe going to be a superstar that feels a little bit too optimistic but like potentially he's going to be a guy that is going to compete for scoring titles yeah maybe uh, if I, if I he hits that, his high end potential
3: well well let me, let me jump in here mm-hmm. I, I i mean i'm not oh right alex is here <laughs> yeah hi guys um <laughs> I'll get to my thoughts on Lindell in a minute, but I, you two are the draft experts, so I'd like to defer. I mean, and I'm just going off our conversation with Reese during our last podcast, where you know he said Seth Jarvis has offensive potential, but you know, I mean, every, you know, any player drafted could be someone who competes for scoring titles. I mean, that's that's the whole point of potential. It's, it could uh-huh. be anything. It's like the it's like that uh the Family Guy episode. Yeah, you could have this boat or you can have the mystery box and the mystery box could be a boat. Yeah. But so, I mean, yes, yeah, Seth Jarvis probably ha- had that higher end potential. I think the Panthers scouts would tell you that. However, there is a lot more bust potential with Seth Jarvis. While with Anton Lundell, you're getting an NHL or at worst, you're getting a low end third line center who is going to give you good d- defense, Thirty plus points of offense, Mm -hmm. and no, you want you yes, you want to do better with your first round pick than that. And I've always been a big proponent when I did talk about the draft in my writings. You draft for the elite potential, but the thing is, is at pick twelve in a what was essentially an eleven player draft, there there wasn't that much elite potential, and the higher upside you had with Jarvis wasn't worth the risk you have in the safety of lindell like let's say jarvis is see, real realistic ceiling is a 70 plus point winger which is very good yeah. every team would love to have a 70 point winger but with jarvis you're getting probably a someone who has a better shot of being a 50 60 point center than someone who might be a 70 point winger who gives you 30 goals And it's kind of when you're in that situation, when you know you can get an NHL or Lundell at a premium position at center, you take that over the winger who might get you 70 points. And I think in this case, the Panthers made the smart decision to take the safer pick.
1: Yeah. I I just want to clarify one thing. Uh, We're talking about Jarvis. Like, oh yeah, Jarvis would have been the better pick. He has that elite potential. I want to clarify one thing, at least in my opinion. Let me know if you guys disagree. Uh, Jarvis definitely has higher offensive upside, but as far as being a great two-way player in the NHL, I still think that Anton Lundell comes out on top uh, as being a more impactful NHL player. But yeah, That's why I'm glad that they drafted him over Jarvis.
2: Yeah, I, I think like in terms of looking at it as who is more likely to be a career first liner, it's definitely Jarvis for me. But that's not to say that Lundell isn't likely to be one. I think that, you know, for somebody going at number 12, he's about that likely to be a career first liner. But Jarvis has a higher ceiling for sure. And, you know, if you do go off that mantra, like you should draft for elite potential, then he would have been the guy to look to. But that's not always the way that you should be thinking about this. You have to consider, you know, how are these guys going to be developed? Where are they going to get opportunities? And right now the Panthers have some other wingers that are further along the line. Now, I think Jarvis would have been at least the second best winger in their prospect pool immediately. But, you know, you do have to consider that he's going to be behind some guys in line. And some of those guys are locked up on NHL contracts and the others are going to be given opportunities before him. And Lundell's just not going to be blocked in the same way. I mean, they, they have Wenberg and they have Verhage now, but those guys are 25, 26. And on short-term
1: contracts also. Right,
2: right. And the other, the only center – that there's no center that's locked up, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. we, we hope that they're going to extend Barkov, but he's only got two more years left on his contract. So he's got plenty of opportunities to break into the lineup as soon as next year, frankly. And I, I think, if gun to my head, I would say he's on the opening night roster next season, not
1: forget, the upcoming forget season. As, soon as next year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, don't quote me on this, mm-hmm. but in, in an optimist's world, Anton Lindell is on the Florida Panthers' 2021 playoff roster. Yeah, I, I mean, that considering
3: happens. the way that, the way the schedules are going to work out, since they're not concurrent like in normal years, like the NHL season is going to start January first. That's the intended start time. We don't know if they're going to try and play an eighty-two game schedule or play you know a sixty-game schedule to try and get back on onto a normal schedule for twenty-one, twenty-two. But yes, the Liga season is what probably projected to end sometime in in March. March. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in March. So I would assume Lindell gets brought over. Then again, this is all assuming COVID is under control, which we, you know, we have no idea unlikely, but like that's assuming he can even come over from Finland because of COVID COVID stuff. But I I, I agree with Jacob that, you know, I I would, I would, I would expect to see Lindell in a Panthers Jersey in late March after his Liga season is over Mm -hmm. COVID permitting. Right. And you know, I, I agree with you, what you're saying, in terms of you're getting either a high-end second-line center or a first-line winger. There's a good – I mean, the odds are very good that Lindell throughout his career is the more valuable player. A right. lot more has to happen for Jar- Seth Jarvis to have more value than Anton Lindell. The, if we're going to nitpick on, this, on the Anton Lindell decision, and it's something I'm a big believer in, I, I love drafting the younger the better because there's more development still to do – and Anton Lundell was one of the older players in the draft. He was a few weeks away from being in the 2019 draft. So, what, you know, that's he's a year older than pretty much everyone else that was drafted in the first round. But he's doing it against Matt to try and play devil's advocate. Lundell <laughs> is a fantastic pick, it's a smart pick and it's a safe pick. And he's going to be a Florida Panther. Like, we're still waiting for Owen Tip to be a Florida Panther. We're still waiting for Grigory Denisenko to be a Florida Panther. Mm. And, don't hold your breath. Right. And Anton Lindell is going to be a Florida Panther. You already see it. He's already doing it against Ben. You can already hear the baby cat in him. <laughs> it, don't
1: eat
2: your mic. Dude. It's dinner time it. in the Lopez household. I got you. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I will say before we move on, I think that uh, our eyes all kind of got wide when the Sabers took Jack Quinn at number eight, yep. and that's when Marco Rossi potentially became a faller. That's when, um, what's the guy that named 110 ten? I can't remember his name. Cole I was Perfetti. just thinking Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti. Yeah, I mean we we all kind of thought that they would go, but that also that enabled the guys who went in those three picks before the Panthers to, you know, let Lundell fall to the Panthers. Because, right. I, I, you know, I would have been okay with Jack Quinn. We probably wouldn't have taken him. We would have taken Jarvis, based on what yeah. I understand. But, you know, Lundell is just a better fit. And, you know, the Panthers have not really gotten a slam-dunk first-round pick since Aaron Ekblad, the guy that, you, like, you think, oh, this is probably an NHLer. Like, I didn't uh, even feel that way about Owen Tippett.
1: I, I kind of feel that way about Spencer Knight. I'm just... It's, he's a goalie. I totally disagree. He's a, he's a goalie. He's a goalie.
2: Yeah. All right. Round two Emil Heinemann, left winger for Lexans in the Swedish Elite League. He also has been playing for the under 20 team for of Lexans. Uh, last year, two assists in 11 SHL games, but 26 goals and 15 assists in 29 games for the U 20 team. This is a big, strong winger, 6'1", 185. He uses his body a lot. He knows how to get it going on the forecheck. He makes smart plays there. He's, he's a little bit of a shit disturber, but uh, he's got plenty of skill. Also, a nice wrist shot, knows how to get to the area where he can use it. Two-way upside as well, responsible player in the defensive zone from all the scouting reports that I've seen. Um the offensive upside isn't showing yet in his games against men, but I mean, clearly with the 26 goals and 29 games in U-20, that's plenty of offensive upside. Um, what do you guys have to say about this pick and the second round? Right.
1: <laughs> I don't know much about Emil Heinemann outside of his stat line, mm-hmm. uh, but 26 goals to 15 assists is a very interesting ratio uh at six foot one that's a pretty big winger uh but that stat line and the way you're
3: describing him tj mm-hmm. kind of gives
1: me a bit of a brendan gallagher vibe yeah
3: that's Speaking a brendan um, gallagher that's a good let's just jump in and say he signed 6.5 yeah. times six with a full no movement which clause today fantastic value for gallagher he is a phenomenal know. player I don't
1: know. We'll talk about well, that later. We don't,
2: we don't really need to talk about that at all. because Gallagher a is a great contract, around. but
1: yeah, Gallagher is a great player, and 6.5 is a good good value for him.
3: Uh, uh, any other thoughts yeah, on Heinemann? Alex, you yeah, want to weigh just, in? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not the draft guy, so I'm, right. I'm going to say, look, his county stats look good. I know the people we've talked to in the organization that really liked the pick, they were really happy he fell. So if the team is
2: happy... I'm happy. Yeah, I think this is another guy with low bust potential, at least relative to the second round, and you'd love to see that when you can in that round. Yeah, I think
3: once you leave the first round, it's like 94% bus potential. Mm-hmm. And yep. like they feel he's got a better shot to making the NHL than, 90, than 6%. So, hey,
2: mm-hmm. I'll take it. Anyway, uh, round three, pick number 74 was Ty a uh, Samanilek. Sam- Smolanic, Why did I? I knew that and I didn't get it right. Jesus. Uh, a center from the USDP. Once again, a bigger guy, six foot one. Hasn't completely grown into the frame yet. Still 175, 180 pounds, <laughs> somewhere in that range. I just uh, love that uh, all three players
1: we've talked about so far are six foot one, but their weight is slowly decreasing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, just wait until we get to Justin Sort of. Anyway, uh, he's a guy that has always been talked about as having the raw ability you know the scoring touch the skating scouts love it but his hockey iq has been put into question sometimes he's thought to be the guy that doesn't make the right play and this isn't something that i have seen in viewings because i i just haven't watched the usdp but um it's something that i've seen in scouting reports of this guy but if you can turn that ability if you can coach that ability then getting it in the third round makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. He's been playing in the USHL and for the USDP. He's going to be attending Quinnipiac if the college hockey season happens, where, you know, he'll be going up against 21, 22 year olds and some other younger guys. But, you know, that's a good level of competition for prospects, I always think. And he's a guy that, you know, could potentially bloom into a legit NHLer. But the, you know, there's also the potential for him to just never become totally the hockey physical. player yeah, that he's destined to be because he just can't make the right plays when he's going up against savvier hockey players in the NCAA yeah. and in the AHL and everything like that.
1: Smolatic was a guy that I was really happy to see fall to the Panthers. Um, a lot of people had him going as a second-round pick, like a high second-round pick, uh, just because of his raw talent. Uh, so the fact that he fell to pick 74 uh, and was on the board for the Panthers in the third round, I was extremely happy with that pick. Uh, and just like you said, TJ, I hope, uh, I hope they, can, uh, they can sort out the coaching, uh, sort out the hockey IQ issues and the decision-making. Because, again, if you can do that, then you just got yourself a very good little winger out of the third round.
3: Yeah, I mean, from talking to people – if you make the U.S. developmental program team, you're a top 100 player in your draft year. Like, that's just – like, you don't make that team unless you're really damn good. So, he's clearly got raw talent. Yeah. We're in the third round. You're, again, throwing darts. And the, the, the further down you get in the draft, the less likely someone is to make the NHL when the odds are already super long. <laughs> Tell so. that
1: to seventh-round pick Mackenzie Weger.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you – I mean – we all get it here. Like, this isn't the NFL draft where you're expecting a starter on your defense in the third round. Like, no, this is hope and a prayer territory already for the NHL. Right. So to get a guy with raw talent from the U.S. development program, like, he's going to have warts, and hockey IQ is at least something you can work on. So I, I think it's a good pick. And, uh, and, you know, and to make Fenton happy, he's got good size.
2: Yeah, and I mean another guy that is six foot one, like Jake said. But uh, the next player who was taken with the uh, third round selection that the Panthers got in the trade with Derek Broussard, which is you know just bizarre to think about how that all transpired. Uh, <laughs> Justin Sortif, right Man, winger I can't from we
1: turned Jared McCann into Justin Sortif,
2: right winger for the Vancouver Giants, uh, a five eleven guy who is only about one hundred and seventy pounds. So he's not quite as big, undersized for a hockey player. You know, that's, you know, an average-sized man overall. But um, (laughs) he got 54 points last year in 57 WHL games. He's a guy that, you know, in, in, in terms of the draft, probably has all the attributes that you expect somebody to go in the third round. He's a guy that gets to the net, you know, works hard. And it's encouraging that he's doing that in a big physical league like the WHL and the the skill is not it's not jumping off the page at you but it, he's got all those tools like he can do pretty much everything that you're going to ask a forward to do in, both with you know two-way ability and scoring touch and all that
1: yeah i uh, forward, i kind of see sort of as uh at least the way i see him right now i see him as like that 4a kind of player um I'm not sure he will be an impactful NHL player. I really hope he is, Uh, but he kind of strikes me uh, off the page as the kind of guy who will be able to dominate the AHL uh, and maybe be that first call up uh, when a guy gets injured on your NHL squad, but uh, he he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who will necessarily really get it together uh, in the NHL, but I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope he does excel and bulk up a bit, and can be a true NHLer. Because uh, again, if you get that out of the third round, you had a great
3: draft.
2: Yeah, I mean the, oh, the if you
3: get fifty NHL games out of him, you got a, You had a great draft pick.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard for me to really imagine this being a home run pick. Him being five eleven and also not having great skating ability, like right you know even for somebody that goes around here like you expect them all to be pretty decent skaters given that they're you know being drafted to the nhl not even just like they're in the junior leagues of canada or they're in the junior leagues of europe or whatever like that well, they should be pretty good skaters if they're getting taken in the nhl draft and he's not i don't particularly know about that, TJ. What,
1: what about that mid-range skater matt bars true yeah, you know average.
2: His, his skating is only <laughs> average right um so let's get to a guy that actually uh I would say has is a high end skater, Michael Benning, defenseman with Sherwood Park in the Alberta Junior League. That's uh, that's a interesting Jim Benning. Right the Vancouver. Brother Cubs,
1: of Matt Benning, the defenseman for someone. He's bumped he's jumped around the league a little bit at this point. Did he, did I think he, end he end end signed with Detroit?
2: Philadelphia.
3: Did
1: he?
2: Maybe. I want
1: to say he's Philly. Still, we could be on the bottom pairing somewhere in the NHL. We
2: could, yeah. He's like a good third pairing defenseman. If is, that's a thing. Yeah,
1: Matt Matt Benning is a good third pairing. You, well, you,
2: he's with Nashville now. Nashville. Um, that's a that's a Nashville signing. He's a Nashville guy. Good for them. Anyway, yeah. Michael he'll, he'll Benning be
1: fantastic uh, on Nashville's third line.
2: He is a guy that does not strike me as a as a Matt Benning type. He uh, he plays like, <laughs> uh, he, plays like a, he plays like a forward essentially. Like he is a forward, basically. Why is he playing defense? I don't understand. Like, just play forward. I mean, he's not that bad defensively. So he, he's he's lit up the Alberta Junior League the past couple of years. He's decided to go the NCAA route. He's going to Denver, and uh, he the offensive ability is just you know great. But Alberta Junior League and right. five foot ten defenseman. Like, does he know how to defend? Like I, there were there were questions about Kale McCart, too, but I mean. It it wasn't there, like you know, there there wasn't that Kale McCarr level upside. I feel like here, yeah. but at the same time, like this could be a guy that be, is a really good point producer in the NHL.
3: If you're gonna look in in the Panthers draft for that eight round steal, I think Michael Benning has the best chance to be it. I think he's got the best chance of being a point producing, you know, middle pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm of the later picks. Mm-hmm. At bare minimum, you're going to be able to trade him to the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> for way more value than he's worth just because he's Jim Benning's nephew. But totally he's fair.
1: also he's also small, especially for a defenseman. So does Jim yeah, Benning but, fight at the 5'10 defenseman?
3: Yeah, but now he's all obsessed with Quinn Hughes. It, it, it's there. It's
2: That's there. true. Yeah, I mean... I, I I do agree with you, Alex. Like, I could totally see this pick being a, a out-of-the-park grand slam and him turning into – Quinn Hughes into,
1: is also 5'10", I just learned. Yeah.
2: Like So it, cool,
1: we a, got Quinn Hughes in the fourth round. Great job, guys. Pack it up, a, pack it in. We won the draft. Let's go home. It's That's a matter
2: good. of him being too good for the Alberta Junior League turning into him being Kale McCarr in college for this to be, like, that awesome, awesome pick. Right, you don't really ever need him to become great defensively. Like as long as he's not a disaster, that like if he hits that offensive ceiling, he's going to be effective. He's going to be, you know, I I hate to say his name, but like we all agree probably that Tony D'Angelo is an extremely effective NHL player, despite the fact that he's an unscrupulous person, and that's potentially (laughs) what you could be getting here with Michael Benning.
1: I thought you were going to go a different route, and I'm kind of pleased that you went D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you think Keith, I was, was going to th- say? Keith Yandel? <laughs> uh, I I, I, uh, I was thinking Matheson.
2: Ah. Well, I, I don't think Matheson ever put up points the way that, that Michael Benning is doing. But, but again, Alberta's Mathes- in your Matheson league.
3: went on the Dmitry Kulikov trajectory. All this All offensive right. potential just went.
2: Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to round five. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Zachary Enns, I'm going to say. Defenseman from Merrimack. He's a you know French. a draft plus one guy, overager. Uh, 18 points in 34 games with Merrimack College. So he's already playing in the NCAA. That's good. He's playing in the Northeast Conference. That's not as good. Going up against uh, teams like I don't even remember the names of the teams I was looking at on the list, but no elite programs in that in that group. Uh, he is six foot one, 180 pounds. So yeah, uh, whatever. I mean, open a prayer. <laughs> I don't yeah. see it. I don't see it. <laughs> That's Jake, my I, comments
3: hope prayer.
2: I wouldn't
1: uh I wouldn't spend too much time shitting on the less elite NCAA conferences because let's not forget about Ryan Bednard. Oh true. Goat. Who uh who is who played in a less elite NCAA conference and then translated to the AHL uh to a fantastic eight ninety nine save percentage in eight games.
2: But <laughs> I mean he was not bad.
1: No, the he AHL. wasn't. It's just that our
2: AHL team sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that 899, like, almost all those shots are coming from six feet out. So, like, that's actually great. Yeah, well, and also
1: try not to shit on draft plus one, uh, or rather try not to shit on slight overagers because John Ludwig, also an overage defenseman that we drafted later, uh, who we now love. Uh, mm-hmm. And is the official prospect of the Point to Point Hockey Podcast. Yeah, I mean, you will you will say he's <laughs> going up
2: against. Oh, I was wondering. Schwinn. Oh Cole yeah, cost... right now. Cole Yeah, well, we got to get we got to get John on the podcast also. Honestly, we probably could. <laughs> anyway, um, shoot
3: our shot, Jake, TJ. Do it.
2: Um, anyway, Casper uh, Pudio is the round the sixth round pick, uh, defenseman from the WHL, I played it's a silent with eye. both. I we'll see uh he played with both of course everett. you do alex <laughs> immaturity uh is uh one of our staples anyway casper pudio Funny
1: coming from the oldest member of the podcast yeah Don't
2: know uh, what you're talking about <laughs> he played with um i can't even remember the other whl team that he played for but he ended the season with everett a total of 28 points in 56 games but he was never really thought of as the offensive guy. Still like you want to see points from anybody playing in juniors. Cause they're going to have an offensive role if they're thought of as yeah. an NHL level guy, but his puck moving is very good. And he's now playing against men in the Liga uh, with Carpot. Uh, so hopefully he's going to be able to, you know, become a sturdy defenseman there and, you know, five foot 11, 180 pounds, like maybe the shutdown D potential is there. It's the sixth round, so, you know, you're going to get I mean, what you're going to get. And you're you just don't swinging get for the fences at this you, point. You're, you're either going to strike out the, or hit a
3: home run. Like, You got someone who was the number one overall pick in the import draft a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out with his first team. Now he Then he got tr- traded to Everett. Had some success. And, like, again, swinging for the fences. And a guy, if he was not high enough to be the number one overall pick, obviously it's different than, you know, When you the regular CHL draft, but when you're number one overall pick in the import draft, somebody likes you for some reason. So, getting a guy Hmm. in the sixth round that at some point someone thought highly of can't complain. Yeah, and now he's in record. Now
1: he's in Finland. His former team was the stomping ground of uh, another
2: Panthers prospect, Alexi Heppeneyami. He played Ah, Swift Current. I forgot. Anyway, uh, him being in Liga now, who knows? uh, WHL recently announced uh, return to play. You know potentially what they're going to be doing with that. Who knows where he's going to be? Some stability would probably help, uh, but I don't know. I I got my arms in the air. I mean, this is the sixth round we're talking about. Uh, seventh round, so this is going to be even worse in terms of details. Elliot Ekmark, <laughs> uh, a center from Linkoping in Sweden, really just playing with their U twenty group right now. Uh, you know, he's five nine, hundred and fifty five pounds or so. So he's about my size, if that gives you an idea of, you know, what kind of frame this guy is working with, and uh, hasn't really been tested at the men's level in Sweden. So I really don't have a whole lot to say about him. Uh, they Panthers drafted, uh, they traded down with the Leafs to get this extra pick, or maybe the extra pick that they used on the next player. Uh, I, have, I don't have any comments about Ekmark. Do you guys? Here, here's what I got about Ekmark. He's fast.
1: That's, that's the one thing I know about him, and that makes me
2: happy. I okay. like good sk-
3: I like fast skaters. All right, Bill Zito, listen to me. This is what we're going to do with Ekmark. You're going to call Bergevin, <laughs> and you're going to tell him, I've got this guy Ek- Ekmark, and just pretend the phone cut out. He's going to think you're talking about Ekblad, and you're going to get caught in that's what we're gonna do. with This that. is perfect.
1: I don't see a single
3: flaw in this plan. I wanted to do this with Malkin to get Malkin, but you know,
2: <laughs> it never worked out. We don't have Malkin, so it it, 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 it couldn't right. be possible. Anyway, um, and the two hundred and twelfth pick was used by the Panthers on Devon Levi, a goalie who was playing in the junior a leagues in ontario because he's going to be going the college hockey route going to northeastern and he was a stud in junior a you know sort of like the alberta junior thing <laughs> he had a 941 save percentage but i mean what does that really mean like that level of competition is just not the same as it is with these other guys that are in the draft so you can't really mit- take a lot from it but uh you know he's not too undersized i think he's one. not positive i should have written that down Six but up uh, six foot and uh, that quickness that you see from guys that really know how to go from post to post maybe isn't there, but it's, it's the seventh round. You get a guy that did really show out at that level. It's not a bad pick. And I mean, you still need goalie depth in the organization despite the fact that you did draft Spencer Knight. Uh, yeah. So this is a good guy I think to um, take here and uh, have that depth. And hopefully we'll be able to see him become something more than just depth. Give me some room, guys. Give me some room. Spencer Knight,
3: (laughs) watch yourself. Devin Levy (laughs) is coming for you. I know uh, nothing about him other than that.
1: They could potentially
2: be facing off, considering they're both going to be in Hockey East next year. Now I would anticipate as a freshman that Levi Levy, whatever his name is pronounced as, is going to be the backup. because L-E-V-I is probably Levi yeah, because he's a, he's yeah. a freshman. So also, I
1: was a freshman last year, TJ, and
2: he was. But he starter. was a first round pick and the starting <laughs> goalie at the World Junior Championships. Do you remember this? I do. Um, but the
3: reality is, uh, I mean, goalies are like quarterbacks in the NFL. You should draft one every year, whether you take a, 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 a you know a mid round pick or a late round pick. You should always be drafting goalies because goalies are voodoo, and you never know when you're gonna find one. And yeah, maybe Devin, the reality is 99 times out of 100, Devin Levy is just going to be a footnote. This is the last time we ever talked about him. But if you hit it with a goalie, you've got depth and now you can do things with trades and not that the goalies have the most value in the trades. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to find a sleeper in the later rounds, more often than not, it's going to be at the goalie position. So I have zero problem whatsoever swinging for the you know swinging on a goalie every draft like there's no reason
2: not to mm-hmm. henrik Lundqvist, seventh round pick pecorine eighth round pick there's I mean, the, no reason that these guys can't become nhl level goalies now the, it's unlikely but it can totally happen and it doesn't happen as commonly with the forward positions
1: yeah yeah and mean, the
3: defense. Is, you go through the number one goalies in the nhl more often than not they're mid to late round picks Mm -hmm. And it's just because goalies are voodoo and you never know when they're going to develop or when the light's going to turn on. And that's it. So Devin Levy, good swing. Take another swing on Levy, Devin next year. You know,
2: (laughs) that's my favorite draft prospect of the 2021 (laughs) NHL draft. Uh, All right. So overall thoughts on the draft before we move into the free agency. Uh,
3: let me get mine out of the way since mine are going to be a lot less specific than your guys mm-hmm. I thought the Panthers did well they got guys who project they did a great job in the first round thank God they didn't take Kane and Goulet laugh out loud uh-huh. at, at the Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens like, yeah. their, their draft was easily one of the worst in the NHL and I, I love it but I thought the Panthers did a good job they got guys yeah. they're really happy about the smart people in the organization are happy I'm happy
2: Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off one of your points, this was a weak defenseman draft. Next year is a strong one. So I'm glad they didn't reach in the first three rounds for a D.
1: Right. A lot of people during the draft were on Twitter saying, oh, I can't believe we keep drafting all these forwards. We need defense. Uh, We don't have a great forward pipeline either. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's a great draft. Uh, Like you said, Alex, the smart people in the organization uh, are all happy. Uh, it seems like most of the most of the big national writers feel like we did a pretty good job, uh, and we haven't
3: gotten a lot of love from national writers for drafting in a while. <laughs> yeah, Anton Lundell, uh, Scott Wheeler just named him the 16th best drafted prospect in the world, which is not bad when considering you just drafted him at 12th overall. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm very happy with this draft. There are a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of NHL players could come out of this draft. We might have sniped a few uh, a few late round picks, uh, and I just can't. I the last time the Panthers took the guy I wanted in the first round was
2: Aaron Eckblad. so yeah. it's been a little bit of a drought, and I'm very happy about. Lindell. Yeah, and I, and I want to make up for maybe issuing some dissatisfaction with the Benning pick because that was probably like. Lindell was my favorite, but outside of the first round, which everybody is hyper focused on, the Benning pick is probably the one I'm most excited about. Given that he was the fourth round, you know, because he's probably not going to be as good a player as Emil Heineman, most likely. But you're probably getting better value, and that's nothing against Heineman. I mean, he's a perfectly fine player to go in the second round, but Benning is a guy that could potentially be, you know, a special defenseman not not necessarily Hall of Fame, but he's got a skill set that not a lot of guys on the blue line have. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that you want in your prospect pool. Somebody that could become a unique NHL player, have a skill set that is commonly sought after and not commonly found. True.
3: If you can find 200 NHL games out of your draft picks that were not Anton Lindell, Panthers had a great draft. Yeah. Like combined? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they necessarily did that, but they put themselves in in a decent position to do that, I think
3: because let's be honest, again, most of these guys are going to bust, and you're, you're never going to – I mean, I would say half of them probably will never even get entry-level contracts because they just won't develop. The ones that do, some, two or three of them will flame out at the ECHL. A couple of them come AHLers. If you can get 200 games, you did well. Like yeah. That's it's just the nature of the NHL draft. Yeah. Obviously, you'd love to find someone who gives you 500-plus games in the NHL in the fourth round, but – It doesn't happen very often. Most drafts don't produce multiple Mm -hmm. guys that do that.
2: And I think that that puts a pretty pretty little bow on the Panthers 2020 NHL draft. And it's good to have a lot of picks, which they did. And they were able to take a lot of uh, darts and throw them at the dartboard. Uh, Let's move into the moves that Zito made in free agency. And there were certainly moves. I mean, he was pretty active, and I was a little bit surprised by it. But, I mean, there were certainly holes to fill with them not qualifying Walmart, other guys not brought back, and t- including uh, Toninato, Hunt, Sevier got traded, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we saw them sign four forwards and a defenseman. Uh, let's start with a defenseman because they got the biggest contract. Well, they also traded for a defenseman. Right. We can talk about that. Uh, we have
1: not talked about that
3: yet. <laughs> Let's, let's start with the defense one. Let's start with Noutavaro.
2: Okay. Chronologically so, that was first. Yes. <laughs> it's true. So the, the Panthers traded Cliff Pooh, who is a, you know, not a consequential prospect who will probably yeah. never play in the NHL.
1: Notably acquired for future considerations, but really it was for Thomas Yerko. Right. For those of you who forgot that Thomas Yerko was in the Panthers system, we traded right. him effectively for Cliff Pooh.
2: Yes, es- essentially. Those trades went down at the same time. And so we turned, we, exactly we turned Thomas hoop.
1: Yurko into Marcus Nudivara, which yeah. when you look at it that way, great job.
2: <laughs> yeah, here, here's my thing on this, though. I, I still think it was pretty much a dead heat in terms of who won this trade because Nudivara, he's not expensive. He's got two more years left at around 2.7 AAV, but he's not particularly effective. Like, he's got some defensive ability, but he – When he was in Columbus, they pretty much stuck him on the third pairing. He never played special teams ever, and the results were mediocre. So, I mean, Bill Zito's been in the Columbus organization. He's watched this guy. He probably has some trust in what he can bring, and, you know, he's got some defensive ability, like I said, so that's something that the Panthers need. But at that price, considering what defenders were going for on the open market, like, I would have rather them sign Troy Stetcher for two, you know, to one point eight million. He got one point seven, so just add a hundred thousand, he's probably on your team. I would have rather them done that than do this. But I guess, you know, it's the devil you know for Bill Zito, so that's what he's gonna go with. I think
3: Nunovara is kind of a better version of Mark Pesic. I wouldn't say better. Okay. Well he's another version of Mark Pesic then. Yeah. I,
1: they um, they're 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 different players not by much but they are different and Nutivara you did kind of hit the comparison right Alex I'll let you continue. yes
3: yeah so and the reality is I mean I know a lot of it is because Columbus is just loaded on defense but he was part of a very effective defensive group in Columbus and I think Bill Zito kind of wanted to bring that culture down here Nutivara was the uh the person to do it I mean I know there's other players like so Last of our Murray was also moved. Um, so things like mo- Murray was also moved in Columbus. Did a lot of changes to their team. But I don't mind the new Tavara setting. The, the new Navarra trade, like you literally traded Pooh for it in a joke. Like literally, it was Pooh. I mean, Pooh was a uh, Jason Bukola darling who was jettisoned recently. So you might as well jettison his darling as well, and you got a decent player back for it. I'm hopeful that it it works out. I mean, he's not going to bring you much offense, but hey, if he can be a solid defensive player and make a decent outlet pass, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. Right. And that seems to be what he does. Like, I mean, he—I guess Mark Pesic provides. You know, as Jacob shares the uh, their comparisons, Mark Pesic provides a little more offense, but with Nutivara gives us gives you a little bit better defense or no what am i reading wrong on this
1: uh in terms of expected goals Nutivara actually does better offensively than Pesic but neither
3: of them uh, are good no okay.
1: and Pesic is a little bit better defensively
2: okay it, it, it's a it's an app comparison i don't think we need to yeah really... yeah really anyway uh so Nutivara is a panther for the next 2 years unless he gets moved uh like he just did, but uh, I kind of doubt easily, it. Hey, easily someone you can expose in the expansion
3: draft that mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's true. That, that's
2: that's probably
1: the end goal there.
2: Well, yeah. I mean,
3: they have. To, I mean, not to get too far into roster construction in an expansion draft, but right now you have two defensemen in Navara and Strawman that you can expose to the expansion draft, and finally go seven three one, which is what how, what should have happened five years ago. But we're, yes, we're it done. is. We're moving on. Rad <laughs> uh, Radko Goudis, Three mm-hmm. years, two point five. Uh, I just want to throw end. one oh, more sorry. note about
1: Nutivara in there. Um he is twenty-six. Mm-hmm. So at, at twenty-six years old making two point seven, basically you're just rewinding the clock on the Mark Passett contract and calling it a day. Like
3: that's that's all it is.
2: And Perfectly you said
1: up nothing for him.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> Which, I mean Go ahead. Yeah. No,
3: I I think I think you're fine there. I think that's good business. I don't I don't think Nutivara is gonna hurt this team. You're gonna look Anytime right. this year and be like, oh, I, that we we're stuck with that two point seven cap hit. Right. Anyway,
2: uh, like you said, Radko Gudis was signed to a three year deal worth two point five million dollars AAV. He's thirty, so it is interesting that they gave Third him year, three years. He's thirty. He's, 30. he's oh. going to. He's, he's going 30. to. And also, he he recently turned thirty in June. So yeah. it's, it's most likely going to be his age 30 season, age 31 season, and age 32 season. Which so it's not like you're going to see him fall off a cliff most likely. He does play a pretty physical style of defense, so it's possible. I mean, he has a reputation for being a sheer enforcer, but that's not really his game. He's definitely not an offensive guy, but he's an incredibly effective defender, or at least he was, because last year was an uncharacteristically poor season. He was adjusting to a new team in Washington – yeah, And they don't really, you know, know their Weirdan guys. didn't
1: really coach a fantastic defense in, no. in Washington. Not at all. So at I'm hoping that has more to do with expert. it. Yeah, a lot well, of guys like, hard Think about think, about think about Bob Bugner. He did phenomenal things with San Jose's defense, although maybe that has more to do with the fact that he had Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, and Brendan Dillon in their primes.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then translated, and it just did not translate to being a head coach.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh,
1: maybe maybe we'll get a little bit of that with Goodis. Yeah, um, we, I mean,
2: we saw a lot of guys hit the hit the floor last year in Washington, Michael Kempney, Nick Jensen, and Radko Goodis. Michael
1: Kempney, quite literally, because he got <laughs> injured. <laughs> that's that's yeah. not a good thing.
3: But, but, but Radko Goodis, I mean, it's not a contract that's gonna kill you. It's two point five AAV. Right. I mean, worst case scenario, he's a bust and you buy him out after the expansion draft. Like right. and it's not like yes, I We all hate dead cap, but it's not really dead cap. That cripples you. You didn't didn't give him a no-trade plus. He got the contract Anton Strahlman should have gotten.
1: That's exactly what I was about to say. By signing Radko Gudis, you're doing what you wanted to do by signing Anton Strahlman last year.
3: Right. With maybe a little bit more err to it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the negatives with Radko Gudis is he's going to do something dirty at some point, and he's going to get suspended, and he's going to deserve it. And the Panthers fans are gonna to have to put away the red color red, blue, and gold colored glasses and be like, yeah, Radko Goodis is a goon. I mean, if you're an older Panthers fan, like he I remember one time when he was with Tampa, he elbowed uh, Scotty Upshaw in the head like blatantly and somehow didn't get a major and somehow didn't get suspended. But he is a goon. He plays dirty hockey, and you're gonna to have to answer for him at some point on right. social media where Radko Goodis did something really stupid.
1: It's it's worth noting that he is effective when he's on the ice, uh, but I think I saw a stat recently that like Radko Gudas leads current active NHL players in suspensions or something to that effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I w- we'll see what happens with that. But and you don't even have to go that far back for like absurd plays. I think it was only two years ago uh, where he. Like during a game between the Flyers and the Jets, which is a really funny matchup now that I think about it. Um he almost chopped off, I think it was Matthew Perot's head. Do, do we remember I, this I, when I after, so. after after a play he so. like brought down his stick and it like made contact with Matthew Perot's neck? I'm I, I, I pretty sure it was Perot. It might have been Shifley, and I'm just trying to block out. That I'm, it trying, to, been Shifley, I'm but trying
2: to, like, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was Matthew Perot. This all happened. Like, the point it, is,
1: Radko Gudis has some tendencies to be a not clean NHL player, uh, but
3: he is an NHL defenseman. Yeah. He, um, he's Quality he's wise,
1: gonna, he's an NHL defenseman, and that's something that the Panthers desperately need.
3: He's going to make the Panthers fans that we don't normally agree with when it comes to hockey ideas very happy but he does those things that that those kind of fans appreciate while still being good defensively and having good underlying numbers
1: right he's not like Eric branson where he's going to be the reason that you get scored on but he's still going to be the one to drop the gloves if someone is a little
3: too comfortable around alexander Barkov. He clears the Caprice during play and after the play, <laughs> not just after the play, like other players. And you said to Branson I was trying not to mention he who must not be named. But um Judas is fine. I mean, you gotta hope that he didn't fall off a cliff with you right. know, the type of player he is, like his decline is going to be stu- sudden and steep, and you gotta hope it wasn't at age thirty. And if it was, you gotta find a way to get rid of five million over two years. It's not going to give in the miners a $1.5 million cap it or you buy them out. Like well, it's not the end of the world. And that uh, was
1: that was the theme of of this free agent period for Bill Zito so far is he's made a lot of short term, low risk, val- low low dollar value signings that have potentially very high reward. Goodis <laughs> is definitely representative of that if uh, if he can return to form.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're getting him at 60% of the price that he would have gotten if COVID never happened. Like if, if COVID never happened, he signs a $4 million a year deal. Probably. Absolutely. And like you're getting him at 2.5, like that's good value if you don't think about it in terms of the rest of the market, which like that's kind of sort of like a, a fallacy almost to think about it in terms of we should be paying only thinking about these moves in terms of what everybody else during this free agent period is getting. Because they're fitting into the cap with all the other signings that you made in previous years. So, you know, if a move is good in that context, make it. And I think that that's a good way to think about this Goudis move. He probably got the most money from the Panthers. Like, that was his highest offer in terms of money. But But it still wasn't big offer. Which is fine. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Uh, Do we want to spend any time on Petrangelo and Schmidt? Uh oh, not right now. Yeah. Let's 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 move on to I, I actually want to highlight this signing before we get to any of the others. Um Carter for so Ver- Games. Yes. Who was let's number one oh, on my free agent wish wish list. And yes. I'm going to go into why. Uh signed a two-year deal with a one million dollar AAV. I was surprised it was that high, to be honest with you, but I'm completely fine with it because this is a guy that has untapped potential that the Panthers could really exploit. Uh, I love the fact that he's a former Tampa Bay Lightning player. So he's <laughs> moving across the state and he's got a little bit of the chip on the shoulder because they didn't qualify him. They said, you're free to go Carter and go. He did across the state, you know, across the uh, alligator alley to the BB and T center where he literally was a couple of days ago. Actually he's 25 years of age, which you typically cannot get a free agent that is 25 years of age. He's coming off a season two years ago in the AHL where he was the leading scorer in the entire league and one of the youngest to ever do that. Certainly, younger than anybody that's done it recently. And then he comes into Tampa last year, and they don't really have a spot for him because they're just loaded with star yep. forwards. You know, they're loaded with guys that they have locked up. Kaloran Johnson, Yanni Gore, in addition to all the names that we're familiar with and say all the time, the points, the Stamkoses, the Kucherovs. So he only gets to play nine minutes and 17 seconds a game, which is just a pitiful amount. Like if you think about it in terms of there's four forward lines and 60 minutes in a game, so you should be on average playing about 15 minutes. He played nine minutes, only eight minutes and 52 seconds of that at five on five. And still he's putting up about a goal every 60 seconds at five on five and about a, a 1.56 points at five on five, you know, which is a scoring rate that rivals his teammates on, on Tampa. I'm not going to say that it's like, it's one of the best scoring rates in the league, but he's keeping up with his teammates in terms of scoring. He, he put in nine goals at five on five last year. And that's a pretty good number considering he was just not playing a whole lot. Like I said, and he'd never got power play time. Like he just didn't play on the power play 13 minutes, the whole season. Like that's nothing. Yeah. Dennis Mulgan played 35 minutes on the power play for the Panthers last season. Carter for Hagey played 13 <laughs> minutes, 13 minutes. So this is a guy that, you know, and I'm saying all these things, huge AHL score comes to the, to the, Tampa lineup. Doesn't get the opportunity to put up points comes to Florida. Reminds you of anybody? this is the next Jonathan Marchessault. So. I have, I have a feeling that he's going to really be able to blossom, put it into a higher role on, on the Panthers. I mean, he has generated good opportunities in terms of scoring and he's converted them last season. He shot at about a 15.8% rate converting his chances, which I think is not super high. Like if you think of him as a, as a good finisher, which, you know, given that he performed so well in the AHL, I certainly think you can think of him as a, as a good finisher, uh has a little bit of warts defensively but you could have said the same about Marchisello. Uh and uh adds a little bit of a a forecheck element as well, I, which I don't think was necessarily there with Marchisot. He's obviously so gifted with the puck that he doesn't necessarily need it, but this is a guy I think that like Bill Zito said, he can play up and down the lineup. He's got that unrealized potential. And he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I just love everything about this signing. I think it's just so great that they targeted this guy. They went after him. They probably gave him the most money of any offer that he got. But it was you know, such a good gamble for them to hope that this guy turns into a real top-nine NHLer. And that's all you need him to be at $1 million a year.
1: Yeah, this is an extremely low-risk, high-reward move. And just to circle back to the whole Jonathan Marchessault thing – uh, Jonathan Marchessault, at age 25 with Tampa had seven goals and 11 assists for 18 points in 45 games at age 26 with Florida. He had 30 goals and 51 points. So don't let the fact that he's 25 fool you into thinking that this is all he'll ever be. When like TJ kept harping on, he has not gotten the ice time to show off his offensive potential. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely is- excited about Carter Verhage. Yeah. I as much as we wanted Anthony Sorelli, uh, Carter Verhage was kind of like the more realistic version of offer sheeting. Anthony this University.
2: doesn't preclude them from <laughs> offer sheeting Sorelli. I also do want true. to point that out. Like they <laughs> still need to do it. But the They're more
1: the, mo- the realistic version of offer sheet Sorelli was sign Carter Verhage. So I'm very happy about this. Yes.
3: And not, not that we're ever going to make light of the COVID situation, but Carter Verhage is a Florida Panther today because of COVID. I mean – If you look at the non-tendered RFA market, there was way more talent and way younger talent non-tendered this year because teams were looking everywhere where they can pinch a penny. And I don't see a scenario where Carter Verhagen doesn't get tendered if it wasn't for COVID and it wasn't for Tampa's cap crunch. But uh, Jacob, you said this was a low-risk signing. It's actually a no-risk signing. (laughs) yeah. Because you can
1: the the slight risk is the second year, but like whatever.
3: No, because even if he doesn't work, you send him to the AHL and he's zero against the cap. It only is gonna cost ownership money if he and he will he will light up the AHL too.
0: (laughs) Right. So he'll
3: help he'll help Charlotte and be you know, be a call-up and yeah, he's waiver eligible and all that stuff. But it's literally a no-risk signing to take a shot at getting jonathan marshes so 2.0 yep even though there's an expansion coming up and we're going to trade him (laughs) for a fourth him and someone else for a fourth round pick
2: yeah i mean i if he isn't bad next year i didn't know i don't even need to say if he's good if he isn't bad next year he's going to be one of the seven protected i think if they go seven three which like we said if they don't it's going to be problematic
3: yeah i mean we'll, we'll get to that at another time but i i agree Carter Verhaeghe is easily my favorite signing, yep. favorite move so far of the offseason. I mean, there's still plenty of offseason left considering the way this yeah. year is playing out on like every other year. But I think we're all in agreement that Carter Verhaeghe is the best one and the most exci- exciting one. And yeah, kind of leads to the trend of what we've been talking about, the Panthers making cheap, low-risk moves
2: where... Mm,
1: that also represent getting younger. That's yes. the other important the thing. The youngest
2: talent that they could be getting for free. You don't give up any draft picks. You don't really give up any cap space. And you have this young asset that could turn into a pretty good player. Yep. And I'm not so, even going to say, like, this is, this is Marcheseau. So. If he's a legit top nine forward, not even top six, then you made a fantastic signing
3: hell if you get 40 points out of him you 40 points for a million dollars yeah that's awesome oh, yeah.
2: that's fabulous
3: um
2: so uh, a signing of a little final, bit more consequence
3: oh go ahead i was gonna say do we have any final thoughts on verhage but it seems like you're rotating on so let's
2: go. yeah i mean i couldn't love it anymore i love yeah. everything about it time wise we also need to move on to Wenberg. <laughs> right uh so a little bit more consequence because of the aav given uh is the Alex Wenberg signing. And it's the devil you know for Bill Zito once again. But, I mean, it's such a low-risk bet for them to get him after he was bought out by the Columbus Blue Jackets at a one-year deal for $2.25 million AAV. Now, I I will say this about him. His offense has really fallen off a cliff in recent years. I mean, in the last two seasons, he has a total of 47 points in about, i got to do the math here, but it's like 132 games, something like that. 2,000 minutes of ice time or so. That's not very good. But he is a defensively responsible center, and he has always leaned towards playmaking. In the 2018-19 season, he had two goals and 23 assists. We have a wing core that is not really much for defensive responsibility, and they don't really play make. What do they do? They shoot the puck. We got Frank Vitrano, We got Brett Connolly. We got Owen Tippett. These are not guys that are going to back check or, you know, make sweet dishes for uh, assists. They're going to shoot. And this is a guy in Alex Wenberg that can play with those guys very well because he's defensively responsible and he's going to pass the puck a lot.
3: Uh, Yeah, I agree. Here's what I like about Wenberg. Cheap, one-year, $2.7 million show-me deal. If he doesn't work, he doesn't work. Here's what I don't like. I would have – I would have – Love Wenberg as your number three center. I mean, Carter Rehegi is taking that role, but I'm careful. We think. I mean, yeah, Carter. He Rahegi- probably will. Carter Verhage could be our number two center. Who knows? That's true. But let's, but let's not like that's asking a lot. The reality is, Wenberg is most likely the number two center, and he's not a number two center. Yeah, the last two years in Columbus showed it. Like the guy. Like if you if you if you were frustrated by how how rarely Barkov will shoot the puck. You're going to want to kill yourself watching Wenberg. Like, he just does not want to shoot, and it's very frustrating. He's a guy who was floated in, you know, uh, Trocheck trades a bunch of times, but you know his. You know he wasn't playing up to his contract. You got him at a good deal. I, I I'm really not happy that Wenberg is going into the season as the number two center, but. We don't really have a choice because there weren't the good centers on the market are RFAs where you had to trade for them and Eric Stahl went to Buffalo. No other centers have really been moved this year. And Bill Zito isn't going to offer isn't going to use the offer sheet on Anthony Sorelli as much as he should, as much as we'd like him to. He's not going to offer sheet Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, I don't think so anybody uh, will I still wanted right. Miko Koivu. Miko Koivu, I I think would have been a better option. I I but you know, you're now getting into a situation where how do you fit Miko Koivu, Wenberg, and Verhage into the lineup all at center? I don't know if Verhage can play wing, but he can play wing. That, but that's kind of the situation you're ending up where you, know, you couldn't get everybody. I mean, I'm a biased against Wenberg just from dealing with so many Blue Jackets fans who like, oh yeah, Wenberg for Trochik is totally a fair trade.
2: Yeah, and I it's mean, not. he got bought out, so there yeah. you go.
3: Which, I
1: I actually like this signing a lot, and I'm less sour on it. Wenberg, if you want to compare him to to our last two, and Trocek, they drive offense at about the same rate, uh, and Wenberg is a little bit more responsible defensively. So as as, uh, as long as you can stick Alex Wenberg with a player who will shoot the puck reliably, uh, there's a good chance that his off that his counting stats will bounce back.
2: Yeah. I mean, we just, I just discussed the three players that he could potentially be playing with. Right. I didn't even mention Carter Verhage, who I five minutes ago was talking about. Oh yeah, this guy's a good shooter. So,
1: <laughs> well, I, I think in our heads we have Carter Verhage plugged in as three C <laughs> right. Yeah. At the start yeah. Of the season, yeah. So.
2: But I mean, maybe they could offer sheet Sorelli and I'm just, Wenberg like, will play with uh, Columbus. Verhage. Columbus replaced Wenberg with Koivu. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted us to do that because Koivu is—he's in his late thirties, so I yeah, don't think he can handle a second-line center workload.
1: He can, and
2: he's got no <laughs> offensive upside whatsoever. No, Whereas he doesn't. Koivu's with,
1: offense is done, but his defense is still
2: top-tier. Yeah, top yeah. I mean, you want—I want to take the bet with Wenberg every time. Like, I want to see where it goes. Like with True. Koivu, you know what you're going to get, and I don't think it's going to get the Panthers to the level that would take them to the playoffs. With Wenberg, there's a chance that he returns to that form that he was on in the 2016-17 season, where in 80 games, he had 59 points.
1: And let's also not forget, Wenberg is a former first-round pick. Granted, it's obviously possible for first-round picks to bust, but he's got that potential. He's got that upside.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the signing in a vacuum, but it, it, it is, like Alex said, like this is going to be our second-line center most likely, and that's probably... Not going to be a great scene, unless but Verhage really does just like show out, which would be great. Which I would he, love that. Which he might, yeah.
1: Or the other option for uh, our next two C is uh, the the probably the last signing we really want to spend time on, uh, and that's Vinnie Hinestroza, which I was over the moon about Hinestroza. That's that was a fantastic grab. Hina Stroza is a great play driver. Um, uh, it's another very, very low-risk move. Yeah,
2: specifically one year at $1 million yeah. AAV.
1: It, it was like that is – Verhage was my top target because I didn't think Hina Stroza was even on the radar. I'm
2: so happy that we signed Vinny Hina Strosa. Yeah. I mean, Vinny Hina Strosa. Is he, he an RFA or he, no after the deal? I think so. I think he's going to be a UFA, but, I mean, the thing yeah. is, like, you're getting these guys when they have that chip on their shoulder when they were underappreciated by their old team. They're going to appreciate Twice you for that. for Hina Strosa. Right. And they're, they're going to repay you for that. Like, if he has a good season, if we can rejuvenate his career, he will take a discount to stay. You know, yeah. not 100% sure that that's what's going to happen, but we saw that in Vegas time and time again. Guys yeah. got taken from their old teams. They were underutilized. They were underappreciated. They, you know, b- became this great cohesive unit, and then they took team-friendly deals. And the state taxing is the same too. Like, if Stroza has a good season here, which I'm going to give you some indicators that he very well could, uh, he's going to be appreciated by the team. Uh, it's like you said, he's very defensively responsible, drives play. Uh, last year, people were concerned about his points. He shot 4%. Yeah. This is a guy that shot 4%. The season
1: That will not last, happen again. The season before last, when he shot around a league average, that includes defensemen, by the way, he shot around a league average 10.5%, uh, and he had 16 goals. Mm-hmm. And And I mean, I don't think he was playing top line minutes either. No, no,
2: he doesn't like this is a, this is a guy that's most likely going to be a third line winger for you. Maybe second line, but most likely third. But
1: I I could see if Wenberg starts falling off a little bit, if he doesn't have that return to form, I could also see Joel Quenville who is familiar with Vinny Hinostroza from Stroza's time in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Vinny Hinostroza could slot in at 2C throughout the season.
2: I did just say, there's some unrealized potential with Vinny Hinnestros given that he shot 4% last year, but he's just not a good shooter. He's not a scoring winger. Yeah. He's never going to be a scoring winger. I don't think he's going to score 20 goals next year. His
1: career average shooting percentage is 7.5%. So that, that 10.5% season that he had 16 goals, that was, that was a very, very good season for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if he can return to form on, on his career average, and go from 4% to 7.5%, you're going to see a jump from his five goals last season.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, Arizona is – I
3: feel like the Panthers got a better Colton Sevier. Yeah.
2: A Colton Sevier that can play on the third line. Maybe not necessarily that penalty kill impact that Colton Sevier brought, but this is a guy that's going to be better at 5-on-5, and that's always where you have to gravitate because, like, 90% of the game is 5-on-5 or something like that. It's probably not that much. I think it's
1: 77 or
2: 78. Yeah, so that's what you have to be looking at nine times out of ten. And, you know, he's not going to score 20 goals. But I just talked about the Panthers don't lack for scoring wingers. From Frank Vetrano to Brett Connolly to Owen Tippett to Carter Verhege if he plays wing, which he might not. To Grigory Denisenko if he ever makes the NHL. I don't know if he's necessarily a scoring wing. Owen Tippett. Yeah, definitely Owen Tippett, though. Uh, So he's he's not going to be counted upon to score 20 goals. It doesn't necessarily matter.
1: Right. He's the one who's going to drive the play, get the puck into the offensive zone, dish it to one of those scoring wingers, and let them do the rest.
2: Mm-hmm. And at, I, at I mean, value, I'm not going to go out and
1: guarantee 40 assists, but... At the, at the value, I mean, this is a, a smart bat. Right.
2: The and Panthers you want to be making
1: these bats. Go ahead. The Panthers have a significant lack of reliable five-on-five play-driving players. I was going to say forwards, but really players. And this offseason, they have done they've added a ton of low risk, low, low dollar value, short term players who also happen to be really good at driving play at five on five for whatever, for one, for one reason or another, I, 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 I should, I hope that uh, that actually factored into why they were signed. And it wasn't just like, Oh, well this guy was good last year. Wasn't good last year, but was good the year before. Maybe, maybe it's a good bet. I, I hope that the Panthers actually used that, uh, that five on five data uh, to their advantage because that would just be a very nice change of pace. They, they did a very good job at adding five on five
2: play drivers at, at very low risk contracts. I mean, we know for a fact, and Bill Zito pretty much said it himself, that he went to his scouting staff. He had the aim of looking for guys that were underutilized on previous yeah. lineups, you know, for their old teams that he could bring in for low risk, high reward. Contracts And that's what they did. I think they did it pretty much better than anybody else in the league.
1: We are usually very yeah. against the idea of signing. Like it is, it is so difficult to add value on the first day of free agency without significantly overpaying for it. And we saw that last year with what the Panthers did. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that time and time again in this league. Day one of free agency is a scramble to see who can be the first to give the most absurd contracts out. Uh, but this year the Panthers actually did a fantastic job of adding value without overpaying for
2: it. Yeah, they didn't pigeonhole themselves. They went for value, not for the skill set. They didn't say, you know, by all means necessary, get Anton Strawman. So you signed him for 5.5 5 million. Bid against yourself. And I mean, maybe they overpaid compared to what other teams were offering some of these guys, but it's just a low, low, low amount of money to overpay them. Right. It doesn't even matter.
3: Right. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, without taking any risks and without having to give term and value, Bill Zito completely rebuilt the bottom of this roster to where it was an absolute negative the past three years to where I yep. think we can all comfortably say the Panthers have a good bottom six. They have a good bottom pairing, defense, defensive pairing. If you assume that Gudis and, and Nudavara, Nudavara are going to be, Nudavara are going to be our pairing together. Like they, like, the bottom of this org- this team is no longer a glaring weakness, right. and he did it without having to give Jay Deagle 4 by 4
2: and, uh, Before we stop talking about free agents, there was another one that we should discuss. Uh, Ryan Lomberg, who uh, was signed to a one-year, one-way deal from the Calgary organization. He played 21 games with the Stockton Heat last year, scored 20 points, 11 goals, so that's not bad. But I, I can't say that I really know a lot about him. He's five foot nine, weighs 196 pounds, so that's a pretty big frame for a yeah. shorter guy. Uh, Bill Zito really seems to like this guy as a competitor. I think that he sees him as a guy that's really going to give his all on the fourth line for nine minutes a game. Which is fine.
1: We Again, depth, depth was also, like Alex was just saying, depth has been a huge problem for this team. And it just isn't really anymore.
2: If, well... We we hope so because they didn't. If winger were thirteenth
1: forward, like that's fine. Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, we don't know if this is going to turn their depth we problems so. into solutions, <laughs> but at the very but least, it's, it's a good bet. At they least. didn't they didn't handcuff their themselves to do it at all. You know, maybe the maybe the spots they, in the they, lineup are taking up now, but I mean the the dollar value is is very good.
3: He's a 12th or 13th forward, more than likely than not. He's going to be in the AHL Charlotte providing, you know, leadership and energy there. There's no reason to parse this signing. Like, it's unlikely, you know, we don't expect this to be in that, oh, but possibly the next uh, Washington so category. He's a guy.
2: You need guys. I mean, that's completely fine. So let's move into the potentials, the moves that didn't happen, the moves that could happen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So it seemed like Nate Schmidt was going to come to the Panthers for a few minutes. And, you know, we received information that he was coming to Florida and then it just didn't happen. That was kind of confusing. Um, You know, so the trade was rumored that he was going to be coming to Florida. Vegas needed a cap relief when they were signing Alex Petrangelo uh, they were going to offload his $5.9 million in full for the next five seasons, and the Panthers were going to give back, you know, very little return. Certainly not anything with any cap hit. And uh, it just didn't materialize, and now Nate Schmidt is in Vancouver. Are you guys happy, disappointed? What is your emotional reaction to seeing this almost happen and then not happen?
3: I mean, I'll go and I'll, I'll mention Petrangelo as well and get my thoughts in there. I was slowly coming on board of saying, you know, Oh, Petrangelo would make a lot of sense for the Panthers. He gives you an elite top pairing with X-flat. That obviously didn't happen. Petrangelo basically had one destination and one destination only. So that didn't happen. I think Schmidt would have been a great addition to the Panthers. I think it would have been a, given the Panthers a really good first pairing. It pushes Anton Strauman down. It pushes Keith Handel down. And it would have given the Panthers a really good defense. And it would have made Liger really expendable. It didn't work out. And it's kind of one of those things where I'm not thrilled about it because I I was already seeing, like, oh, this would have been the makings of a really good, but expensive defense. And now it's just gone. So great. I'm not devastated, but I certainly like the idea of Schmidt on the Panthers.
2: I think about it in this way. Like, if – if Nate Schmidt was a free agent this offseason, I don't think he would be getting 5.9 over 5. I, I, that's tough for me to visualize, considering that TJ Brody got 5 by 4. Like, I don't think that I mean, Nate Schmidt is clear in a way better than TJ Brody. It's difficult for me to say that. And, like, Tory Krug got 6.5 by 7. Yeah, I, I mean, Torrey Krug's got warts, but guys that put up points always get paid. And Nate Schmidt would have gotten the I mean, third most, most money in this reagent class.
3: The thing is, you're comparing a, a contract signed pre-COVID to a contract signed during COVID. Yeah, but you have to
2: consider the opportunity of acquiring either one in this context of COVID has happened.
3: No, no disagreement there. No disagreement there.
2: Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't a think, bad Jay? contract. It's not a bad contract. But I mean, I'm not devastated, like you said, because I just don't think that the market would have been there for that contract. Go ahead Jacob. I'm very glad we didn't sign a UFA defenseman.
1: Uh, at least not one of the big fish. Yeah. Um as far as Nate Schmidt is concerned, from a talent perspective, I would have loved to add Nate Schmidt to this team. Uh but I I just that his contract isn't bad. It's not bad yet. I don't want to say yet. that. Yeah. And that's the part that concerns me. He has five years left and he's not the way that I, the way that I like to rationalize Nate Schmidt's contract is it is as much money as I think it should be without being considered an overpayment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that he is now 29 years old, I believe. Yes. Yeah. uh, With five years left on that deal. I think you're only going to see maybe another year or two where that $6.5 is representative of his true value. Uh, If we didn't have Anton Strauman on this team, I would be all aboard the Nate Schmidt train.
3: Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I'd be devastated if Anton Strauman's captain was fired into the sun and nothing came back. And then I would be really devastated. But because you have Anton Strauman making Nate Schmidt's money, it was a very difficult fit and would have,
2: left right. no money to approve
1: the forward group it's not going to be long until nate schmidt is overpaid
2: yeah it, it isn't and i mean it might not be very long at all considering that last season was the worst season that he's had recently which you would expect because he's aging out of his prime but you right. have to consider they had the the um uh the suspension for using the performance-enhancing drugs and has not that, been the right, same that's player the since.
1: Other, that's the other thing. Weird. He stopped using PEDs, and all of a sudden he has his worst season of his career, and he's also 29 years old.
2: I, mm, yeah, like that, that contract, that's risky. I don't, I don't think it'll ever be an egregious overpayment. Yeah, we're never going to talk about the Nate Schmidt contract like we talk about the Milan-Luciche like contract. Or, right. No, I, I, Keith Yandel's not in that ballpark. Come on no uh, Keith he's, is, Keith he's is put, a put up some of the best player minimum he puts up some of the best power play numbers in the league yeah so he's not I he's don't not like you pay over six million for purely power play production. that's not in that contract hall of shame it's just not fair, i don't agree with fair. that yeah so i i just taking on
1: nate schmidt right now in his first full season post PED stuff uh at age 29 just doesn't seem like a safe bet. I have no
2: qualms about not having him. Yeah, and just to qualify my previous statement, I wouldn't put the Strawman contract in the Hall of Shame either. It's just very inconvenient right now, considering right. that he is barely a positive over a replacement-level guy. Uh, so, so too bad, so sad, Nate Schmidt isn't on the team next year, but I agree with you guys that it would have been kind of problematic <laughs> to have that for five more years on the books. Uh, So that takes us to where do the Panthers go from here? Because they still got to fill some lineup spots. Uh, There's the Weegar trade potential. We've heard a lot of things about that. Uh, Which one do you guys want to start with? You know, like other guys that could fill in for the Panthers lineup or Weegar trade? Question mark, question mark, question mark.
1: I don't think we need to do lineup predictions right now. I, no, but not vote. lineup
2: predictions, but like how how do they fill out the roster? Who are some other guys that they could go after? That's what I'm right, talking but about. I, I, I don't think they necessarily need to go after anyone else
1: in particular. But they're
2: going to. They're like they're gonna, They have $11 million in cap space, and they're still – plenty of spots open in this lineup. Like they're definitely I, signing some more. But players. I
1: also think it depends what you do or don't do with Weger.
2: So let's start with that then. That's the answer to the question. Uh, but so, I, I just don't
1: know if I want to get as hypothetical as what's next outside of Weger.
2: Okay. Well, let's, that's, let's that's talk about Weger and see what happens um, <laughs> uh, in terms of the Weger thing. Um, he's on the block. There's no question about it. He's been offered yeah. to a lot of teams. Uh, there's been advanced talks with Toronto Uh, Elliott Friedman reporting, which um, we have, you know, heard similarly that the Panthers wanted to get Travis Dermott and Andreas Janssen from the Leafs. And they said, no, Uh, that is our understanding as well. And the Panthers uh, have also been in talks with the Colorado avalanche. Tyson Jost was apparently uh, the centerpiece of a package from the avalanche. Not surprised that those talks didn't go very far (laughs) Uh, and there's no shortage of teams that are asking the Panthers about Uyghur. Um, it's a very interesting situation because he has arbitration rights and people are always are worried about arbitration in this particular context because they don't think that the arbitrator is going to take into consideration COVID, you know, salary, depression. They're just going to give out the salary that they would give out in a normal year, which teams are afraid of. That's why Lucas Walmark was not qualified. Panthers don't think Lucas Walmark is a bad player. They just didn't want to go to ARB with him and have to give him more money than they thought he was worth. And that's a situation that could come into play here with Weger. Maybe that's why the Maple Leafs did not want to give up uh, an RFA that doesn't have arbitration rights in Travis uh, Dermott for Weger. And they gave away Janssen for basically nothing a couple couple of days ago. Um, I really don't know where this is going to go because I feel like maybe the market has dried up for Uyghur services with Colorado getting uh, Devontae's. I'm, I'm sort of thinking I, – I see the logic in them wanting to move him for sure. They need to get younger on the defense. There's no question about it. They, there's no one coming in that door other than John Ludwig. And let's be honest, if he's a top-four defenseman, even we would be surprised. They need to get younger on the D. So this is a good guy to dangle out there to try to get somebody younger. But, I mean, the Leafs already said no to Dermot. So who else is out there? And, I mean, you are losing your top-pairing defenseman, so that's a problem for the present. Right, and that's when I would think about, okay, now who do they sign?
1: Um, Yeah, I I think the only sensible move, and this is very tricky, um, is to try and trade Uyghur for a younger defenseman. Yeah, to just like kind of slide in and take his spot. But who would do
2: that? <laughs> I'm, I'm by no means saying by all means necessary, Uyghur can't be a Florida Panther anymore. It's right. not a Matheson situation. If the
1: market's not there, then keep him. Like yeah, that's, it's, yeah. it's that simple. He's not Somewhere, a guy that you look to trade just because you
2: can. If he continues to have high value, or at least the value that he has right now, someone will trip over themselves and offer too much for him, or you know what we want, and he will right. be gone. And right. if but if the market's not there, you just have to manage your assets, just keep them with common sense, and you just can't throw away stuff to make a move, quote unquote.
3: I disagree slightly in the sense that I think at least the D for this year and next year is pretty well set without Uyghur. Obviously, in an ideal world, you'd like to get some, someone in the 22-23 range who is at the end of their ELC and cost control, not no arbitration rights. But I don't see that happening. I think you, you try and find a forward who is a middle six closer to a second-line winger because you are losing a ton of scoring with Dad and David Hoffman. I mean, it remains to be seen if one of them gets brought back. I think that does happen, but we'll get into that in a second. I, I think you try and get you try and get a middle six forward with some scoring punch for Weger, and you do it happily. Um, the issue you got with Weger is he gets hurt a lot, and you got to wonder if he is going to start breaking down. I mean, he's not old at twenty six, but he's in that you know, category of he gets hurt a lot. Is he gonna fall? Is he gonna end up like Brian Murray where it's like you just can't count on the guy? And I think that's the position the Panthers are in. Where the Panthers are in a good spot even though they haven't found a taker yet is Uyghur is the best defenseman available. If you look in free agency, you look in the trade market, it's Uyghur and the Panthers don't have to deal him. So it's not like, you know, like Nate Smith got a third. That's because Vegas had no choice. Weager has value, and they're going to be able to extract value out of him if and when a trade is finally made.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, the arbitration rights loom over his value, so it remains to be seen if a move can be made. But uh, I think the Panthers are definitely wanting to move him. Like they, They don't want to deal with that arbitration contract, and they don't want to deal with the potential for him to get hurt. And they don't want to give up the potential to turn him into an asset that helps them get better and younger in future years. And that's nothing against Weger as a player. I think that when he's healthy Agreed. and he's playing with Aaron Eckblad, he's a perfect partner for him. And I mean, they, yep. they've had fantastic success. They really have, but it's really not super sensible for them to just keep him. I don't think. And this is basically what I was saying about Wait, Mike has- Hoffman in previous years. I mean, they, it was, Really stupid that they never traded Mike Hoffman. I think we can all agree. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, TJ, you and I were always on board the flip Hoffman train, and yeah. we were very, very loud about that.
2: Yeah,
3: Dale Talon's got all sorts of flaws, but I don't want to get into a Dale Talon thing discussion again. But I mean, all in Tippett doesn't break his wrist and have surgery. They they move Hoffman at the deadline, and they were smart to do so. The yeah. question becomes, as the market has played out as it has, and you're seeing these second tier of forwards signing one year deals. I mean, Taylor Hall just took one year, eight million to go to Buffalo. Mike Hoffman can be brought back on a one year, five to six million dollar deal, and I would say the same for Gadadov, mm. one to four to four and a half million dollar. Do you bring either of them back on a one year deal? and hope you can you know, slide them in on that second uh, second line and get their scoring out of them one more year and then move them at the deadline if
2: necessary. I, I still am really not hopeful that they can bring any real value, even on a one-year deal. And I with that enough, the problem that I have with it is that he he is not putting up good scoring numbers playing with Hubert and Barkov, so I don't understand how he is bringing something to the table that somebody else couldn't be providing. Something like a, somebody like an Anthony Duclair, a Dominic Cahun, or somebody else that's in that second tier of free agents that I think is going to make even less money than these guys. And like we've been saying about Mike Hoffman ad nauseum, his counting stats are over inflated because he gets to play on the power play he's the center point of the power play because he does have a great shot but he's getting fed those passes and good passes constantly from keith yandel jonathan Huberto, alexander barkov and that's really inflating his counting stats which everybody points to he has got the most goals of anybody on the free agent market in lat in the last season and you know it it's something that the Panthers will have to replace, but I don't think it's as hard to replace as people might think. Like, Vincent Trocek is a guy that was putting in those goals three years ago. He yeah. was the guy, the centerpiece of the power play somehow, and he was scoring like 15 goals on the power play that year.
1: Evgeny Dadanov had 70 points two years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. I
3: I agree with Jacob that Evgeny, <laughs> if you're going to bring only one back, you bring back Dadanov. I think you can get yeah. it for cheaper as yeah. well. Yeah. And I agree with you that, Hoffman, he's an elite shot. Owen Tippett has a Hoffman, very good Hoffman is
1: an elite shot from one spot in one situation. Right. Let's not forget that Hoffman. Hoff, it's not like he led the team in it, like he led the team in goals. Sure, he didn't lead the team in five on five goals.
3: Yeah, and I, I agree with you that if you're going to have to let one of the two walk, you let Hoffman, and you hope Absolutely. Owen Tippett Hoffman can replace. Hoffman will get overpaid and you can replace most of that scoring, I think you try to bring uh, Dadanov back and hope he regains that 70-point form. Worst-case scenario is he doesn't. The reality is the market's not there. He's not going to get multiple years from someone. Bring him back on one year. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you say goodbye. But you still need some scoring punch because right now after Barkov and Huberto, there's not a lot of scoring, and I don't want to hear anyone tell me that uh, – Patrick Hornquist is going to be a 60-point, 30-goal scorer like he was wow. a few years ago with Crosby. So you need you need to find some goals somewhere.
2: All right. Uh, so I think it's about time to wrap this thing up. Final thoughts, Alex?
3: Um. Overall, it's been a pretty good first offseason for Bill Zito. It's not over yet because there's still some moves to be made. I really wouldn't mind if this offseason – finished off with, you know, Anthony Duclair and Evgeny Dadonov being the last two signings, um, you know, in a perfect world where, you know, people aren't scared of the offer sheet. Uh, Anthony Sorelli would be offer sheeted for somewhere around 5 to $6 million and put in that second-line center role, and all of a sudden the Panthers have a pretty damn good team. But that's, you know, fantasy GM stuff because GMs are pussies and they won't offer sheet players.
2: And uh, Jake, any any last notes for you? Uh,
1: yeah, you offer shoot Anthony Sorelli at $4.2 million because that is what costs a second-round pick, and Tampa still can't match it.
2: Yeah, I mean – I don't who know what knows this five to $6 million
1: dollar bullshit is. But. We're going
2: to have to see what they're able to do with their cap space. And I mean, I think Zito's got to poke his head around and see if anything is in the works for Kaloran or Johnson or any of these other guys that got to get out of there for them to make the space for Sergeyev and. Sorelli, at this point, I'm honestly thinking that the move is to offer sheet Sergachev. Go for that one, two, three value, like $8 million or whatever it is, that you don't have to give them multiple first-round picks, but you do have to give up one. Because, like, he's a stud. He's a 1st pairing yeah. defenseman. So you can bring him in, and all of a sudden you have a great defense core. Not then I'd actually- be much more comfortable trading Uyghur also. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm pie in the sky is Sergachev, but once again – Bill Zito, he's not old school, but he has an old school mentality when it comes to the good old boy network. He's not going to offer sheet as much as we'd all love it. He's just not going to do it. So
2: I think that's a just... perfect note to leave it on though.
3: Yeah, Bill Zito sure.
2: offer sheet, hashtag offer sheets Sorelli, hashtag offer sheet, surrogate uh, So we're going to wrap up this marathon edition. Cause there's so much news. We got to talk about it all of the podcast. Uh, stay tuned. We're hopefully going to have some draft experts talk about the players that the Panthers picked. Hopefully uh, there'll be some more signings. We'll have to discuss those. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us all on Twitter and on every social media thing and spare new to your pets. People come on. <laughs> we got to do it. All right. have a good For, night, everybody. good I've been TJ